You grew up in the western suburbs of Melbourne. As a kid, what were your hobbies and what was your life growing up as a kid with a disability? So growing up in Melbourne, um, I think I had a pretty normal childhood. I'd like to think I had a pretty normal childhood. Um, I did everything that my sisters did. We, um, yeah, we loved to play. We used to go to the park all the time. Um, I'd go to the beach, um, hang out with our cousins. That was a big one. But I think I just had a really normal childhood. Like nothing in my um, nothing in my childhood really stood out, and I just love spending time together. Um, I did read that you described yourself as non-sporty. Um, so yeah. then, how and I guess why did you find wheelchair sport? So I guess, well, my family were all really sporty and I wasn't sporty because there was not really, I didn't know that there were options for me and I always hated playing for whenever we had PE at school. I always hated PE because it wasn't adaptive and I couldn't run and I couldn't, you know, do what the other kids were doing. So it was hard to want to love sport because I didn't, see myself being able to do it um and I'm not too sure how we got involved in wheelchair sports to begin with it was maybe through hospital or mum may have seen something but then I started wheelchair basketball and it was out like two hours out of our way so there was nothing really locally at the time um so we had to drive quite a quite a while which was tricky for mum with my sisters so yeah I think that's how we ended up getting involved in sport and I loved it um and did you see many other kids or were there many other kids um with a disability at your school um or was kind of basketball the only place where there were other kids with a disability yeah I didn't see anybody with a disability really um the only times I saw someone with a disability potentially was in hospital like when I went in for surgery um and then more on a social level I saw when I went to basketball what sport did for people with a disability so then you know I you develop friendships um you can you know you see somebody drive up to training and they've got a nice car and they take their chair in their car or take their chair out of their car and you're like Oh, I didn't know that that was possible. And so you, um, yeah, you make those those friendships and those connections, and also you develop your sense of identity. I think through sport and that community as well. Yeah, um, and I guess what about TV and like online? Were there many like role models for you to look up to? <clears throat> no, um, and I, I think. Um, for me, I remember I was in grade six and we had our state swimming championships and I was swimming at the time. And um, I raced against Ellie Cole when we were both, um, well, they were the same age. So we were in grade six, so 11 or 12. And I remember I lost the race and um, I got to the end, like my goggles flew off my head. I definitely wasn't destined to be a swimmer. But I remember Ali getting out of the pool and I just saw her just like hopping to um, 
probably collect her medal and she probably won. I don't know, but I'm going to say it here that she won. Um, and I just remember her being so like, fearless and then growing, moving. Like when we were growing up, I'd see Ali pop up more and more through like the media and things, but you never, that was my only exposure to people with disability, achieving, you know, great things. Um, you didn't see it anywhere else it was not on tv it wasn't in your face so yeah so you've known ellie for like a very long time <clears throat> yeah yeah since you were like swimming together that's pretty cool i know i know um and she hasn't changed one bit <laughs> <laughs> um and going back to basketball what made you like playing basketball when you first started uh, i think i loved playing basketball because it was a challenge and I wasn't very good at it but I <laughs> I loved going to training because I got to hang out with people that were like me and they were fun and we could do um play sport or and then we'd um yeah hang out on the weekends and it just built that sense of community yeah um I think that's what drew it drew me to it just that community um, and I think you started playing in 2008 when you were 17. Um, and three years later, you were playing for Australia in the under-25s team. Not bad for a, um, a, a non-sporty person. Yeah, I know. I can't believe that either. Like, when I first started, um, I couldn't even hit the net when I was, like, sitting in my chair and I was shooting. It wouldn't even touch the bottom of the net. And then, you know, being selected for the under-25 team in three years, that was a pretty massive achievement. Like I said, you were um, going to 17 when you started. And a few power athletes I've spoken to say that they didn't start playing their sport until like their late teen years. Why do you think that that has been the case over the years? Big, big question. I think there's lots of, there are lots of reasons why, you know, our juniors, we don't have a lot of juniors. Um, and if we think about, I don't know, people acquiring their disability, they don't really, sometimes they don't acquire their disability until later on in life. So then that's when they begin their journey in sport. But um, for me growing up or for people who are born with a disability, I think sometimes it's a societal mindset of that you're in a disability, you have a disability, you don't really, there's nothing really for you. So we'll keep you wrapped up in cotton wool instead of trying to find, um, you know, find things that are available to kids with a disability to be able to participate in. They may not make the Paralympic Games, you know, they may not have an eligible impairment, but also it's that, like I said earlier, like the community side of things. You build yourself um, a positive self-esteem from, from that. Um, but, yeah, we also don't have a lot of junior programs in Australia to be able to um, promote, you know, para sports at an early age. Like when I was growing up, we had, there was a junior national championships where it was like a kind of showcase of all the sports and there was wheelchair basketball, tennis, athletics, whatever else. And if you're under the age of maybe 18, I can't remember, but if you're under that age, you could participate in these like junior nationals. But we don't have that anymore. So I think there's a real gap 
for kids these days wanting to play sport? Although I guess um, now we do have these tri-para sports days <coughs> in Australia, so people of all ages can see what sports um, are out there, I guess. What have you enjoyed about attending those kinds of days? Uh, so the multi-sport days, I think, um, you can go and you can see what's available because obviously I want everybody to come play wheelchair basketball and like come play basketball, but also you have to be mindful that that may not be suited for them. So the, these events, they showcase um, boccia, sitting volleyball, archery, table tennis, like all these other sports that, you know, what I may not have, I've never tried before. So um, it gives kids options and it gives, you know, people options to go out and, I guess, try it. So I think it's, and then also it gives the sport um, something to promote. Yeah. Um, so you're promoting the, the sport. And just going back to your career, you captained the under-25s team and won a few medals, but you also started playing for the senior team, the Gliders. After all the car trips to the other side of Melbourne to play and train, what did that mean to you and your family? Well, um, I think my family were just super proud of me. You know, they were just, everyone was telling you, you can't do this or you can't do that. And then you just go and do it. Um, so, yeah, I think my family was obviously super proud. And to me, even to, like, to captain the under-25s team, that meant so much, um, so much to me because, you know, the, the group of girls that we went away with, we had unlimited potential and we had no expectations put on us. And it was just an awesome group of girls to go through and, you know, we won a silver medal. Um, so, yeah, it was super special. And unfortunately, the gliders missed out on making it to the Rio Paralympics um, by one spot. Not trying to make it too sad, I guess. Um, <laughs> when you train so hard for something and you miss out by such a small amount, how do you kind of deal with that? Well, I guess there are different ways that people deal that um, people dealt with that. And I know in ASB, they dealt with that in multiple different ways. I think for me personally, because I was so young in my journey as well, um, I didn't think that the door had closed and like there's always going to be more opportunities moving forward and I just had to change um, my goals I guess obviously the dream is to go to the Paralympic Games but just because we didn't make it to Rio didn't mean that there were there wasn't something else that we could work towards either sure it was really heartbreaking and you know you put all your time and effort into that one tournament but it's not the end of the world. Um, at the end of the day, sport is a game. And I think we forget that and we get caught up in the emotions of it all. And you work really hard and you want to reap the rewards. But, you know, you have to be realistic sometimes. Then you finally got to the <coughs> Paralympics in Tokyo last year. Instead of asking what it was like to play, I want to ask what the response was like from the people of Australia to your team and all of the other para-athletes. Oh, there was such a positive response to, you know, all of the Paralympics in Tokyo. I think there was a survey done and the Paralympic team was the most favourite team in Australia during in 2021. So we, you know, we were 
more liked than the Olympic team, than the cricket team, than any AFL team. Um, and I think it was a really difficult time for people in Australia because of COVID and lockdown. So the Paralympic Games provided the um, everybody back home something to watch and get behind. And we felt that energy in the village and we felt that everybody was behind us and they loved us. So, yeah, it's just awesome. And does it kind of feel like para-sport has taken another big step forwards? Um, yes and no. Yeah, like it has. And I think like the Paralympic Games and the Paralympic movement is constantly evolving and getting better and we're getting um, recognised more. But then um, <clears throat> as a society, I think we still put limits on people with a disability and the and our Paralympians. So, yes, in one breath, the Paralympic Games and the Paralympic movement is evolving and we're getting better, but we still have so much um, room for growth and to get better. Definitely. Um, Commonwealth Games silver medalist at the first ever 3x3 wheelchair basketball event in Birmingham. That must have been a pretty special experience. Yeah, it was awesome. It was so cool. Was that your first time being part of an Australian team with para and able-bodied athletes together? Yeah, it was. So the Commonwealth Games, we, if I just think of like a 3x3 basketball perspective, so I'm not going to um, talk about the whole um, Commonwealth Game team, but from a basketball perspective, we had a really awesome group um, with our men's and women's wheelchair team and our men's and women's angry team. Like we came together, we also supported each other um, because at the end of the day, it's just basketball, whether you're sitting or standing. So to have the support of our able-bodied teammates was incredible. And um, the atmosphere that 3x3 bought, it was fun, it was quick. Everybody could follow it if you're, you know, wheelchair or able-bodied. So... Yeah, it was an unreal experience for me. And so you finished the Commonwealth Games and while everyone else headed back to Australia, you stayed overseas with <laughs> your debut for Australia's wheelchair rugby side, the Steelers. Why have you decided to try playing that? Um, one some would say I'm very crazy for doing this. Um, and I was very tired by the end of it. But um, wheelchair and rugby have been kind of... Um, asking me to come play for a long for a while since I've started playing basketball they're like come play rugby and I'm like no no I'm a basketball player um and then I kind of played it I played a tournament like their national tournament on the Gold Coast and I'm like oh this is actually really fun so I gave it a go and I gave it a chance and I felt incredibly valued and the team and the the culture of the wheelchair rugby um, team made me want to, you know, I just got really curious about it and I wanted to know more. So I jumped on in and I went away with them to um, Italy and to Denmark. We played it was my first like international game of rugby. No idea of the rules. So I'm, I was still learning on the fly and yeah, it was just an awesome experience. Yeah. Um, and now I've seen how rough wheelchair rugby, aka murder ball, can get. And I've also seen you play wheelchair basketball and you ended up on the floor quite a couple of times. How do you go with the collisions in wheelchair rugby? 
Yeah, I know. I spent majority of my basketball career on the floor. So um, I feel actually I feel surprisingly more stable in a rugby chair than a basketball chair. So um, I, I do sit a bit lower. But also the collisions are they're fun. So I'm I'm having to change my mindset though on the different rules because in basketball you have to have really good chair positioning. Yeah. Where in, in rugby you kind of like just hit them. <laughs> And I, I tend to like go and do like a good turnout and try and stop someone's chair properly. Um, and then they just go straight past me. And I'm like, oh, okay, I've got to change how I play defense now. Um, yeah, so it's, I, I love the collisions. It's fun. And at this stage, they're on separate women's and men's rugby. So you're playing mainly against and with men. Has that taken some time to get used to? Not really. I think because I've played in our men's league in Australia for so long and I train with our men here um, for basketball, um, it's it's just kind of like the same for me. And I've, yeah, I don't, I don't see any difference in playing men or women, just, yeah. Yeah. It's a, good, it's a really welcoming team as well. And I think that at the Paralympics last year, there was only one woman in the squad. Shay Graham, now that there are now there are three of you, do you think that we'll continue to see more girls and women playing wheelchair rugby? I hope so. I think I think women add value to wheelchair rugby. Um, you know, we add a different perspective, um, and we're an underutilized resource as well. So I'm super excited to see more women come forward and maybe um eventually we can have a female competition so yeah, hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> you've just been um, a re representative for the international wheelchair basketball federation and you recently were voted as one of the 20 worldwide members of the world anti-doping agency's athlete council i think there are five para athletes on that council why do you think that it's important to have um that para athletes are represented and not just like one token person, but have a few members on the council like this? Yeah, big question. Um, I think having a para voice is super important. So we, if we think about um, governance and how things are being put in place um, and rules and regulations, and if they don't align with our Paralympics, community I think and if like people like able-bodied people are making these decisions without us in the room it creates such a big divide and so we're not getting everybody's perspectives like we want to have um a good diverse understanding of how the world works it's crucial that we have that Paralympic voice as well so um because at the end of the day it is only I think you said five and I'm, I'm not too sure of that number but I'm sure you've done your research so at this stage it's five um para-athletes compared and then what 15 able-bodied um athletes as well so we are still a minority on that table better than nothing but um hopefully we can get to um a inclusion and have equality there so you're um also paralympic australia's education education officer what does that kind of role involve 
So that my job is going out to schools and teaching um, kids about the Paralympic movement, about, um, you know, what the Paralympic Games are. We have Paralympians that share their stories. And over the time of doing that, how have you kind of seen a change in kids um, or has there been a change um, in kids' interests and, like, questions? Yeah, so when, when kids are asking questions about the Paralympic Games and about um, us as Paralympians, we, I had one really deep question actually a few weeks ago and the, the girl asked if we were happy with who we were. And I think, like, you could see her thinking about, you know, the disabilities and we've just spoken about all of, you know, struggles and overcoming adversities and whatever else. And she was like, well, are you, ha- are you happy with who you are? And we were like, yeah, you know, well, we are really happy with who we are just because, you know, we have disabilities and have all of these struggles and whatnot. We're also pretty cool people as well and pretty happy, so... I think the questions that the kids are asking through the program are really thought-provoking and making them change the way that they see maybe themselves. So, yeah, there's huge, huge value. I mean, out of, like, everyone that I've chatted to, like, um, you and Ellie Cole and Maddie DiRosario, you guys are, like, some of the coolest people that I've, like, <laughs> met and gotten to know, so... <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You are, you are probably the coolest journalist I've ever spoken to as well. Thanks. <laughs> and when you eventually retire from playing, would you like to keep being involved in the management and administration part of sport? I think so. I think I love sport too much to just let it go completely. Maybe I need a bit of time and separation. Oh, I might get a bit grumpy and old um, and nobody wants that. So, um, yeah, I love I love sport and I love being around it. So maybe coaching, maybe management, I don't know. But who knows? Maybe I just need a big sleep. <laughs> Where do you think that Ferris Sports can and should be in 10 years' time? Oh, I think Paris Sports, if you think about like Brisbane 32, I think the Paralympic Games are going to be the most inclusive games ever and the legacy that it's going to leave, like, um, Moving forward, we're going to have, it's going to have a huge impact. Like if I think about, you know, our education program, every, I hope that every student in every school in Australia has a chance to meet a Paralympian and can, and can say that, you know, they're Paralympic champions and they're promoting our movement. Um, and I hope, I really hope that we're going to have equal pay and equal um, opportunities like uh, our able-bodied counterparts. So I just think there is no ceiling and we can just achieve whatever we want.